The Evolution Channel is sponsored by Eternal Gold Beauty, the most advanced skincare line in the world. Awaken your skin to aging in reverse at eternalgoldbeauty.com today. You're listening to The Frequency of Creativity with Melinda Har Curley. Welcome everyone to The Frequency of Creativity, where we explore the energetics of art. I'm your host, Melinda Har Curley, and you can find us on the Evolution Channel of the Superpower Network to see how I capture energy in the physical form of art. Please visit my website at melindaharcurley.com. Today, we're going to talk about from Hollywood to social realist art. I'm excited to share with you the accomplished and social realist, and that's how Time Magazine described the art of Simeon Shimon. Simeon immigrated to the U.S. from Russia with his family at the age of 10, from a hard scrapple life in Brooklyn to designing Hollywood movie posters, including the iconic Gone with the Wind poster, Simeon stood up to Howard Hughes and started painting murals depicting themes of social justice. His contemporary justice in the child mural in Washington, D.C.'s Department of Justice stands today as a testament to his unwavering commitment to the poor people of color and those left behind. Turning his talent to children's books, Simeon lived out his life illustrating over 50 children's books. We are so fortunate to have his daughter, Tonya Shimon, to to share her father's life and important work. Welcome, Tonya. Thank you so very much. It's an honor to be here with you. And I'm so excited about the energetic of this whole experience. Which your father certainly embodies. Yes, he did. And so, Tonya, um, we're so excited that you just published a book about your father's art. Tell us about it. Well, the book idea started um, shortly after my father passed away. I found in his desk... Uh, a huge number of slides and prints of paintings, of fine art paintings that are kind of spread around the world and in different private collections, many of whom I don't know where they are. And I realized that this art needed to be saved and not gotten lost. Um, And so I had this dream of creating a book. I was working full time then, and it took 30 years from that moment until uh, this last year when I was able to Publish the book finally. Um, I was told many times that it couldn't be done. He wasn't well known enough and uh, that it would be almost impossible. But I finally found some wonderful people who have Mercury Press International uh, here in Santa Barbara. I have big thanks for them Isaac Hernandez, who designed the book, and Nancy Black, who did all of the other work to make it possible. And we put it together finally, and here it is. Um, Antonia, it's been very successful. It's won seven awards, hasn't it? 
Yes, and this has been incredibly gratifying that the people who are seeing it do really appreciate a great deal. Uh, in COVID times, it's been quite difficult to get out far enough. So I'm working on that little by little. Um, but I feel that his art, as all art is, is incredibly powerful and speaks to situations that are happening today, heartbreakingly so, um, as much as in his time and, of course, for centuries um, of discrimination. And I feel that some of his paintings really speak to this and can ring out and shed light on, on the human picture. Um, I'll tell you about one painting that is uh, quite important in this. Tonya, can I ask you to pause that thought for a moment? Sure. Because we're going to have to go to a, a short break. Mm -hmm. And I really have a lot of questions in this area and how relevant your father's paintings are to this time. And I want mm -hmm. to go more deeply into this. Perfect. Um, but before we take our short break, Tonya, can you share with our listeners where they can find out more information on the book? You can find the book, which is titled The Art of Simeon Shimon on Amazon. You can go to our website, which is simeonshimon.com. And that's spelled S-Y-M-E-O-N-S-H-I-M-I-N.com, uh, where you will find a lot of information on his life, on uh, reviews, on the book, and so forth. And you can also buy it directly through the website, which will take you right to Amazon. If you are a bookseller, uh, you can go to Ingram to purchase the book. Okay. Thank you. Um, we'll be right back, and we're going to talk mm -hmm. more about the relevance today of the very arresting work of Simeon Shimon. Hello, I'm Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts and creator of the Superpower Network. Welcome and thank you for making us your go-to place for inspired content, training, and community. The network is so much more than a place for amazing content. It's step one on the path to unlock your superpowers. Listen to one episode daily on the Superpower Network and attune yourself to inspired conversations, higher vibrational living, and much, much more. In step two, you learn with us by watching one of our inspirational videos each week from the IM series. And when you're ready, come grow in community. Our superpower programs offer a unique experience for those ready to harness their superpowers to change themselves, their lives, and ultimately, the world. Go to superpowerexperts.com and take the next step on your path today. We're back with the frequency of creativity, and we're talking about the art of Simeon Shimon. Now, Tonya, we started to touch on um, your father and how his art and the themes of social justice were very relevant during his lifetime and even today as you know we face situations that not only in the US but internationally are um, challenging us as a society. So can you speak uh, to your father's themes of social justice? Certainly. Um, it's interesting because many threads appear from his childhood throughout his life, and he followed history in many ways in the course of his art. As a child in Russia, he probably saw, he did say that he saw um, people being dragged in chains on their way to Siberia. 
at some point he must have seen this. He always related to people who were being discriminated against. As a child, he would give things away because he wanted to help people, friends of his. And in America, he saw poverty and he was working himself as a young young person at the age of 10 through 16, helping in his father's delicatessen and other work. Um, And so he always related to this uh, with great feeling. That's just who he was, a humanist. Uh, When he received the commission to paint the um, contemporary justice and the child in Washington, D.C., it was a two-year contract. And after two years, um, the painting was not finished and it was hung on the wall Um, glued onto the wall, and he painted on the wall for two more years. Mm -hmm. This was between 36 and 1940. Um, And one of the panels was the most difficult, which was the um, figures of the disinherited and the poor and poverty-stricken young people. Um, And uh, he said at the time that if you painted one square foot and just colored it in, or if you painted something in detail, the price was the same that they were paid. Which was interesting. Um, in, the pro- in the process of this work, he had in the painting figures of um, African Americans and women in educated roles and in um, distinguished roles and uh, as workers uh, in science and so forth. And he was asked not to include the African Americans, but he did it anyway. Uh, this painting now stands uh, on the third floor, still at the Department of Justice building above the attorney general's office. And I feel it's, it's a very powerful statement um, of civil rights and development and capacity of human to have to go from poverty to the positive side, uh, which it depicts of what can happen when you're educated and given the ability to work. And Tonya, uh, give us again the date that he would have painted this. It was from 1936 to 1940. Now, how many other paintings of that time depicted women and African-Americans in educated? I love your question because you're leading exactly into the fact that this is the only depiction of African-Americans in dignified roles in the Department of Justice building. I'm sure there were others in other places being done. Of course, there were many artists, wonderful artists. But in this particular building and the project, this was the only one other than one depiction of an African-American as a servant. So I feel that is by itself something quite interesting and uh, quite sad. Uh, I'm grateful that it happened. Uh, We can all be grateful that it happened and it's there for people to see. And what really fascinates me even more, if we can just back up to what your father was doing before he created this mural, he was in Hollywood working mm-hmm. for um, the big uh, movie companies in producing posters promoting the movies. Exactly. And the very strange juxtaposition is that in 19... 19- 39, he did Gone with the Wind. And at the time he was going back and forth between Washington and New York, that was the period when he did both at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so his heart was in the mural and his work ethic needed to continue on the, the Hollywood side to earn money. And this, this kind of um, carried him many years this way. Um, 
Uh, he did not like the Hollywood work at all. He couldn't stand it. He would not love that we're talking about it so much, but of course, it's important to people. And he wanted to be known as a painter. Um, and that work ended at the point when Hollywood went down or certainly diminished to a very small amount and television came in. And that's when the children's books began. Okay. Um, and, and again, here in terms of uh, the power of his humanity, it went right into the children's books and the stories and how he felt about children. His childhood was rather cut off because at 10, when he came to America, his father became very frightened. The family needed help. They went from a middle, a, a middle um, uh, standard of life to quite poor in Brooklyn with a delicatessen. And he had to take over as a father figure in the family. So with the children's books, he was able to spread his wings and his fantasy and his love of what he might have had more of, you know, um, and connect that way and with the energy of children, which meant a lot to him. So, Tonya, and how did your father, and this is a testament to his strength of character, how did your father go from the situation that you just described in Brooklyn at the delicatessen in being <laughs> the father figure to going to, and he designed the cover of Vanity Fair at the age of 27. How did he transition from that situation to a very successful Hollywood a commercial artist career? That's another great question. Um, somehow he found it. Um, his uncle had been a musician and he heard music as a young child and wanted desperately to be a musician. When he was 13, he, he announced to his family and his uncle that's what he wanted to do. And they said no, absolutely unequivocally. And uh, a few weeks later, he started to draw. And he realized that the drawings that he did were not like the other children's drawings. They were like an adult drawing. Um, and somehow, miraculously, energetically, I'm not sure what the answer is, he found uh, the museums in the city. He went to see things himself. He left home at 15. He apprenticed himself to a commercial artist. And his life as an artist began. He studied at Cooper Union briefly, saying he was older than he was. And he worked at night. No, he went to Cooper Union at night and, and um, worked during the day. Uh, and so he found his way. Somehow he found culture. He found art, dance, music, museums. He, As a young man, he went to Europe to study uh, himself. Uh, he's primarily self-taught uh, to study the masters. And he, he found his way. And I think the arts pull you once you're in it. You you get caught up into the beauty of the life and the meaning of it and how it's such a treasure. And, and it was a powerful factor for him. He never went back and uh, he kept drawing his whole life. That is such a testament to his character mm -hmm. that he was in this very, and I'm sure at his life in Brooklyn, he was not surrounded by beauty, by art, no, by nothing. The, he the, was the only type of culture. And for him to seek that out on his own and to create a life in the arts 
That's amazing. I think so. There was no one else in the family who did that. Um, he was never told there was a school that he could go to to study music or art that was free. Uh, he found it himself. Um, and there's another aspect of this, um, which is that he, he, he created his own world and he went with it. Um, and as you said, he, he never gave up. That's so funny you say that he created. He never his- gave up. He never gave up his his um, commitment to what he felt was right to do. And when he was uh, a child in school in Brooklyn, he was at first beaten up or you know teased a lot. And he came to feel the only way he could overcome that was to be the best he could be at anything that he did. And that seemed to be a through line. And I love how you said he created his own life and that's true in his life and it's true in his art Mm -hmm. because he you could tell in looking at his art that he is true to himself the art feels true it feels real and so in life as in art he was his own man exactly and then he had many friends who were moving in a different direction in art he was always a figurative artist and he needed to stay there for to stay true to himself. And he realized that. He he kept saying, How can I do it? What does it mean to me? What what way do I need to go to, to give meaning to this work? And so while he was friends with many of these other artists, like Time Gross and, and so forth, um, of his period, uh, and he cared about them and he respected their work a lot. He went in his own direction. And it was difficult. He he won a prize for a painting at the Provincetown um, Art Festival. Mm-hmm. I think it was about 1958 uh, that he did after coming back from Italy. And um, he won second prize. And he was told later that they debated for two days whether to give him first prize or second prize. They realized he was a master. Uh, and they gave it to a, an abstract artist because that was current at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very thrilled to get the award. It, he had not painted in 15 years in his own fine art form. Mm-hmm. And it meant a great deal. And it's now in the Chrysler Museum in Norfolk, Virginia. And the Provincetown, that's a very prestigious, long history art exhibit. Right, right. So it was particularly meaningful to be acknowledged for who he was, which ties back to what you just said. And so your father, to me, epitomizes a successful artist, because to me, I believe that a successful artist is a person who is truly themselves. And your father mm-hmm. has reached that on every level and is very impressive. Very I impressive. think that's one of the reasons I wanted so much to have this collection of art so it wouldn't just vanish. Well, because the movie was- posters are known, the books are known, they're out there, you can get them on Amazon, at least some of them. But his fine art is not as well known. Well, he was exhibited in, um, you know, a lot of the major museums in the U.S., MoMA, Whitney, uh, and all of um, the Art Institute of Chicago. So he was, you know, recognized somewhat because those are major museums 
that he was accepted into. So there was a segment of the population that did recognize his genius, his talent, that he was able to be recognized in that way. Absolutely, yes, this is true. Um, I, a goal for me at the moment is to see whether we can have this art uh, in the libraries of the art schools so that people who didn't know his work in his time can, can get a picture that, yes, here was another artist of this period who painted this way. Um, so it's just one of the main goals of wanting to have done this project. Now, what I'm really interested in, and I'm interested in, in his whole story, what really strikes me about your father and his work is how he connected with people, both individually and collectively, and that on an emotional basis that that was on an emotional basis that was deeply rooted within himself, that he was able to use this connection with people to create art that spoke effectively and passionately to people's hearts, that he was able to connect with people on an emotional and heart basis from, uh, you know, convincing people to go to a movie to depicting people in unjust social situations. Exactly. Yes. And that's who he was. Um, I, I will mention several aspects of that. Um, in his children's books, he, he went to the heart of a child's feeling. And when he was asked to do it, he said, my art is serious and children's books are usually so light. And the writer said, well, this is exactly what we want. This is what's missing. And so that connection with children and, and what they needed emotionally and a space for their imagination um, meant a great deal to him. Mm. Um, I'll talk now about a painting that he did called The Pack, um, he, uh, which is another aspect of this side of the personality um, that he had. Um, he was at a New Year's party in Lower Manhattan with friends, uh, uh, and he saw a crowd of people uh, beat, beating up a, a man, and his friends, and he went in to help and try to uh, alleviate the situation. In turn, he got beaten up. He was kicked in the butt and said, you dirty Puerto Rican, You when the guy left. And he felt he had to do something with this painting, uh, to, to create a painting, rather, with this happening. Mm -hmm. uh, it took him a while, but the idea came when it did come rather quickly. And he created this large basically red painting of figures of, of people in this pack with um, animal heads, some of them. And it's very dramatic, and you can see it on the website. Uh, and it speaks to his connection to not letting something just go by. But he had to react to it as a human being, and then he needed to turn it into art and share it in some way to make a statement that the inhumanity of man to man is uh, terrible. Where do you think your father got all of this strength of character from? I don't know. I think he was born with it. 
I think it just it's it was in him for sure from young young age, and he had many many difficulties. I mean, imagine he was working in an art form that he did not like for money for years. The books brought him in to another world, which he totally respected and liked, but it still was not his fine art. And he had to fight with himself to break away to get a period of time where he could just paint. What and that's where the paintings come from that are in the book. What do you think motivated him? His sense of justice, his sense of love for people, his, his respect for all people. He deeply cared. When, when you met him as a human being, he didn't judge people. He just said, who are you? He used to say, don't judge things for what you want or what it seems to be or what you think it should be. Look at it for what it is and then see if it's good or not. So it's not as if he trusted everybody, but he, he absolutely gave space to the human being to be there. What do you think the effect has been of his art? For example, the mural that's in the Department of Justice that in the late 1930s depicts women and mm -hmm. people of color in dignified positions. Mm -hmm. What do you think the ramifications are during that time and also today? So during that time, he got a lot of praise for it. When I went to visit it, I was taken by a guard who absolutely said it's my favorite painting, knew exactly where it was, um, which was today. I mean, not today, but a, a short period ago. Mm -hmm. And when people see the book now, uh, they just, they're touched. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you can feel, you hold the page, it's different than seeing it somewhere else. Uh, yes. Like on a screen, it's, it's very different to hold it in your hands. And it, there's an energy inside it. Yes. There's also musicality in his work, which comes from his love of music. I think he played music all the time while he was painting. Mm. I think music gave him a great deal of, of uh, spiritual support. Mm -hmm. uh, he, knew, he had good friends. People, people loved him. That gave him support. And I agree with you. Paintings are alive. They have a life force energy, and that's what this whole podcast is about. Yeah, and yeah. Very successful artists like your father. I keep trying to get at how do very alive people like your father create this energetic experience and imbue their art with this life force energy that viewers can feel that they react to that draws them in that is such a fascinating question to me it is it is if it's I'm, I'm pondering it as you speak because it's it's got so many layers Yes. And I think if it comes from the heart, if it comes from a very special place in a human being as they're creating, it's got to be felt. And that's how he created. So if, if one encourages that aspect of oneself, it's got to come out as well because we're alive. And he, he just was a complete alive person inside in, in his heart, you know, and how he cared about the world and people. And that shows through in his art. It does. Whether it's the commercial movie poster 
Yeah. Whether it's these, and just to give a term, these social realist paintings and also the children's book. Right. His energy comes through all of those forms of art and brings them alive. It's true. And I was rereading a book by um, the, the wonderful children's author, Isaac Bashevitz Singer. It's called Joseph and Kosa, and I feel that the paintings in there or the drawings in that book are extraordinarily vital and, and rich and strong. And I got this energy by holding the book, I must say, <laughs> and turning the pages. Um, and when people see portraits of African-Americans that he's done with such great, great love and care and feeling, it gives you strength yourself, I think, because you see what's possible. And the, yeah. and the respect that your father gave to all human beings, regardless of their station. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a very powerful force. Very powerful. During his time today, yes. and it's timeless. Yes. And he gave it to people when you would, see, would meet him, and people would feel that, and they gravitated to him. Um but that's, that's one of the reasons I wanted to create the book, because I felt it could give something to people today. Now, Tonya, what do you want people to, that, is there anything that we have not spoken about? What do you want people to know about your father and his art? Hopefully that it could have meaning for them if they see it. And it might grace their lives in some form to see it. And I also hope, as I mentioned before, that art students will become familiar with it and perhaps be inspired by it as well. And of course, all people that, that to see what's possible through art in terms of the expressivity of the human being and the human soul that can, can be, that the evolving of this can come out and be shared. Well, Tonya, tell us one more time, where can listeners find information on the book, The Art of Simeon Shimon? You can go to the website, simeonshimon.com, spelled S-Y-M-E-O-N-S-H-I-M-I-N.com. And there's a lot of information there, a little history and some pictures and uh, you can buy it directly from the website. It will take you right to Amazon. You can go directly to Amazon.com uh, with either just the name Simeon Shimon or the title of the book, The Art of Simeon Shimon. And if you are a bookseller wishing to sell the book, you can contact Ingram. Uh, I, I would like to say one more thing. I'm just totally grateful please. to Mercury Press International and the folks there who really helped create this book and save the work. Antonia, how do you feel as Simeon's daughter in sharing his work with the world? It feels very warm and gratifying, I must say, because I always adored it and other people got a lot from it. But to give it out to more people is very special. And we appreciate you doing it. And we thank you so much for being on the podcast, for sharing your father's work with us. We just I really respect your father as a person, and I respect his work, 
And I am just thrilled to be able to share his work. So thank you so much for being with us, Tonya. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Take care. And for me as well. Thank you for joining us today on the Frequency of Creativity. To see my paintings that capture energy in the form of art, please visit my website at melindaharcurley.com. Now, be your own life force energy in the world. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.